Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Managing Editor Elizabeth Orr, and I'm joined this week by Amanda Maxwell, who is our EU Regulatory Affairs Editor. We're going to be talking this week about the current status of the medical device regulation and in vitro device regulation, as well as other developments in Europe. Amanda, can you tell me what's going on with the MDR and IVDR? Hi, Elizabeth. Yes, sure. So the MDR has now fully applied. Um, It applied about six weeks ago. But although it's actually been applied, there are many parts of it that are not yet ready. For example, the Udemed Medical Device Database, which is being upgraded from a database under the current directives to a far more complex, uh, versatile database under the Medical Devices Regulation. We're still waiting for standards which will be harmonised against the new Medical Devices Regulation and the IVD Regulation. And at the moment, we have other issues that are making compliance quite difficult, including that there are not enough notified bodies and not enough bandwidth um, generally for them to manage all the products that are likely to be coming through over the next um, three years. And also, the industry is still waiting for lots of guidance documents. We certainly have had, uh, over the last year or 18 months, a huge amount of guidance documents, but many more are needed and some in quite critical areas. But that said, it's it's worth mentioning that the vast majority of manufacturers of medical devices that fell under the medical devices directive and the active implantable medical devices directive for them instead of compliance with the current mdr they decided to buy themselves a bit of time and they many of them and as i say the vast majority have actually remained in compliance with the medical devices directives and that means that there is likely to be a bit of a bottleneck coming up in 2023-2024 when uh, notified bodies are going to be swamped with requests to uh, assess products at that time. Interesting. And can you tell us a little more about the IVDR? Yes. The date of application for the IVDR is the 26th of May 2022. Um, There are even more concerns over industry managing to comply with the IVDR in time because of the lack of notified bodies in this area. So just to put this in context, there at present only about 10 to 15% of uh, IVD products need a notified body in the context of the IVD directive, whereas something like 90% of products will need the involvement of, of a notified body under the IVDR. So that's a huge demand for notified body services. But at the same time, we've got a drop in the number of IVD notified bodies. So under the directive, there were some 22 notified bodies uh, at its height. But right now, under the IVDR, we have just five notified bodies. Uh, The latest designation, which happened about a month ago, was DECRA, the Dutch notified body. So that means that we've got two uh, Dutch notified bodies, uh, BSI Netherlands and DECRA, 
And then there are also three German notified bodies under the IVDR. That's DECRA certification, TUV Rhineland and TUV Sued. Now, given that conformity assessment under the IVDR takes about eight to 12 months, you can understand why there's going to be an issue for most of these products being um, assessed as compliant in time for a deadline that's only around 10 months away. And for these products, there isn't such wide opportunity for making use of the grace period as there was with the uh, medical devices regulation. I understand the commission has recently published an IVDR plan. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, that's right. It's published a joint implementation and preparedness plan for the IVD regulation. And this plan acknowledges the mammoth task ahead um, and it lays out a program of priorities so that an operational system is in place before the IVDR date of application, which is, as I said, 26th of May 2022. So, It's meant to be an operational system, and it's referred to as that because the Commission feels it would be unrealistic to try and ensure the whole system's in place in time for 2022, given the number of tools and structures that still need to be created. So there's a need to decide exactly where limited resources should be focused in the shorter term uh, to ensure delivery as soon as possible of the tools and structures that are needed. So within that plan, there is a division between um, or separation in the plan between what is essential and what is nice to have in terms of being prepared. And among the priority areas are notified bodies, uh, including the plan states that national experts should be made available for uh, the joint assessment of notified bodies. So that's at quite a high level. That's to do with the designation in the first place of the IBD uh, are notified bodies before they can start to assess IBDs. Another priority within the area of notified bodies is considering how notified bodies can perform conformity assessment activities in this current pandemic, because, of course, that is throwing up a lot of problems at the moment. And I'd also like to mention um, a, a completely separate priority area, but that's contingency planning and monitoring, uh, including to ensure that there are no IVD product shortages as a result of the implementation next year of the IVDR. So the plan foresees a monitoring exercise to get as much data as possible on how prepared the different stakeholders are, and it will try and find possible barriers that could lead to shortages of IVDs on the market and hopefully take action. Certainly a lot to keep an eye on there. And of all that, what's the most exciting recent development in the EU? Well, in my view, uh, the expert panel opinion that was issued late in June is particularly interesting. This is the first opinion that we've had from one of the expert panels and it seems to have sent shockwaves through industry and notified bodies. And for the first time, we're seeing how incredibly thorough and critical that review is. So just to give you a bit of background here, 
notified bodies need to submit their clinical evaluation assessment report, which is a summary of how they view the manufacturer's clinical evidence for potential review by one of these expert bodies. And they do this, they have to do this for class three implantables and class 2B devices, which are intended for administering and or removing medicinal products. And these expert panels have only recently been set up. There are 11 panels for different medical specialties areas and there's also a screening panel which will decide whether a a product will need to go through to one of these panels for review. So this this first expert panel review we've just had, it was done by the General and Plastic Surgery Dentistry Expert Panel and it reviewed the ivory dentin graft, which is a class three implant intended for use in a variety of surgical procedures in maxillofacial surgery and dentistry. And um, given how incredibly thorough that review was, it certainly makes you reflect on the fact that there was not this level of scrutiny before under the Medical Device and Active Implantable Directives. So in my mind, I'm asking the question, does that mean there has been inadequate review in the past of some of these high risk products? Or does it suggest that the opinion may be on the overly strict side? Certainly, we're not in a position to know that yet. And it'll be interesting to watch as more and more of these opinions come through. But it would certainly seem difficult for any notified body to ignore the views of the expert panel and to press ahead and grant a conformity assessment certificate without giving proper weight to the expert panel opinion. That certainly sounds like it might be a sea change. Um, You know, what else is happening? Are there any documents that people might want to watch for? Yes, certainly. Industry should be watching out for the guidance documents, which are still coming through. We've had quite a tsunami of them, as I was mentioning earlier, over the last 18 months. But if this summer is anything like previous summers, things tend to slow down a bit at the European Commission um, as people traditionally take some holiday time. Uh, We have, as I said, had a lot of important guidance documents. And one of the more recent ones, uh, which is particularly important, is on how firms withdrawing old products or producing legacy products must comply with the MDR. And I'll explain what legacy means in a minute. So when it comes to old products, companies cannot simply stop reporting if there are issues with these they have an ongoing duty and should register these themselves and the products in the Udemed database when they can. And then they'll be notified and re- remain responsible if there are field safety correction, uh, corrective actions out there. On the other hand, if a company goes out of business, it seems it avoids these requirements. It, it's not quite clear at the moment, but the guidance document doesn't say how products that have been manufactured and that are the subject of issues, but where the company has gone out of business will be managed. So that's something to watch. So 
Turning now to legacy products. So those are the products that continue in compliance with the medical device directive or the active implantable medical device directive. Now that the medical device regulation is in force, there are articles within the MDR and the IVDR. um, So looking forward to the IVDR time as well. Um, on transitional provisions that state the requirements relating to post-market surveillance, to market surveillance, vigilance, registration of economic operators and of devices will apply in place of the corresponding requirements in the directives for legacy products. So here we're talking about all these products that are making the most of the grace period at the moment. So The deadline for full compliance with the database is actually six months after the notice is published in the official journal of the EU. Deadlines for compliance for manufacturers are quite complex, um, but this is something we're following closely at MedTech Insight. All right. And what else has been on your radar? Health technology assessment has definitely been on the radar. There's Um, a regulation which is pending publication right now. And the EU medtech industry is really concerned it doesn't reflect the specificities of the industry and that it's just going to add another level of unnecessary bureaucracy. With medtech, real-world data comes in during the months and years after the initial CE marking. Moreover, there's currently no common goal on the use of health technology assessment in medical technologies, and nor are health technology assessments applied to medical technologies at the same time in the technology's life cycle. So in the view of MedTech Europe, the EU Industry Association, the fragmented approach to health technology assessment would need to be addressed first for medical technologies before, in its view, any EU-level cooperation would have a chance to be of value. And it's commented that it hopes assessments will only be planned and conducted when there is a clear and present need for the exercise. All right. And we're about halfway through July now. Um, What more do you expect to have coming up this summer? I'm going to be publishing an interview that I did with French notified body GMED, and that looks at how GMED navigated the early phase of the journey as it was transitioning from the directives to the regulation. And it also looks at how medtech regulatory changes have impacted demand for notified body services. Uh, In addition to that, um, I'm conducting an interview on companion diagnostics with Elizabeth Ann Wright, the leading EU life sciences regulatory lawyer. And I will be also looking into the collaboration that's ongoing between drug and device regulators concerning products on the drug device borderline, as there seems to be a lot uh, bumbling under the surface on that topic. One area where I expect to see less produced is from the Commission, um, because as I said earlier, we're coming up now to the traditional EU summer break. This will hopefully give our readers uh, and those in the industry time to digest 
um, the barrage of information that we have been seeing coming out of the Commission over the last um, nearly a year, some would argue much longer, but particularly over the last year, it's been incredibly busy. And then when we return in September, I'm sure the pace will pick up again and the IVD regulation will be a primary focus. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. It was a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, Listeners, you can watch for Amanda's EU coverage and all of our coverage of the rest of the world at medtechinsight.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. For now, thanks for listening.